0: Listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network.
1: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz.
0: And featuring Keaton Derosier. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by my regular co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: Great, man. Enjoyed the uh, nice long weekend. I'm ready to talk some socks. Nice. Did you do anything fun for the Labor Day weekend? No, I just took it easy. Um did a kind of a cookout thing today. Uh, but it was like an indoor cookout, we didn't nice. go anywhere, but still did like the cookout food and stuff, because, oh, you know, the Rona, and figured today that there's going to be a lot more people out and about than usual, which was, uh, ended up being the case, so yeah. I'm glad we stayed in.
0: Nice, that sounds good. It's always good to cook grilled, you know, grill out food, it's always always fun, makes you feel like summer. Yeah. All right. Um, so the other thing that makes us feel like summer is the Red Sox losing baseball games. <laughs> um, we're going to get right back to it here. So in the week since the trade deadline has passed, since Keaton and I brought you that big trade deadline show, uh, the Red Sox have gone two and five, losing two two in a row to the Braves. Um, actually, more than that, but just you know two since then, um, dropping three of five to the Blue Jays. Um, they haven't been good. But that is to be expected for the Red Sox. That's not really a surprise. But there has been some interesting developments. And we're going to talk about a lot of those developments today. um, Specifically looking forward to 2021. Because there's not a lot of sense in Keaton and I just sitting on this show and lamenting about this bad team. We know it's a bad team. um, But there's a lot of things that we can actually look into uh, for the 2021 team. So we're going to get into a bunch of those today. Um, We're going to start off, though, by talking about the pitching side of things. Um, Nathan Eovaldi does remain sidelined due to an injury uh, to his calf, I believe. Um, But Martin Perez, who has been the Red Sox ace this year, and, uh, you know, that's kind of funny because Martin Perez is far from an ace, um, but he actually did something pretty cool over the past week, he he pitched a no-hitter into the seventh inning uh, before allowing a hit. He, had, he ended up allowing three hits during the game, three walks, struck out five, uh, and his 72-game score was his best of the year. Um, it was a really well-pitched game by Martin Perez. Did you get a chance to see that one, Keaton?
1: Uh, I saw the end of it after he had already been uh, pulled out.
0: <laughs> so, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, but, I mean... Credit where credit is due, you absolutely nailed it on Perez being able to kind of be a key piece of this pitching rotation. I mean, it'd be a lot nicer if he was like the fourth, fifth starter instead of the one at this point. But um, for them to have something here and still have him for another year after this unlocked, um, you know, his sequencing so that he's been, I mean, he's been the only reliable pitcher in the entire uh organization for the Red Sox this year, which you know doesn't say much, but if there's someone you can rely on, then you got to be able to keep going to them, and now it's gotten to the point where we expect a Martin Perez start to be a solid start for the Red Sox, which is not something I was expecting coming into the season at all.
0: Yeah, no, it really wasn't. Um and, you know, sometimes even a, a blind cat finds a meal every once in a while with my uh, my guesses about Red Sox optimism this year. Um there weren't many things to be optimistic about even though I was Mr. Optimism, but yeah, I will take credit for for the Martin Perez thing. That being said though, I want to really, you know, throw a little bit of cold water on this. Martin Perez has been good um for the Red Sox in terms of Red Sox pitching. But like we're still talking about a pitcher with an overall six point four percent K minus walk rate, um, not very impressive in that regard. He has been impressive at limiting hard contact, um, and he's only allowed a uh, two seventeen batting average against, which is good. And his walks and hits per innings pitched have been um, has been significantly better than what his career norms have been. But that being said, I'm not sure that Martín Perez is anything more than a fifth starter on a good team. Um, And I guess my question to you, Keaton, is um, do you think the Red Sox are going to try and keep him to be a fifth starter on what could be a much improved Red Sox team in 2021? Or do you think that with the success that he's had this year, that they're going to try and trade him over the winter and maybe look for someone else that maybe has a little bit more of a sustainable skill set.
1: I mean, I guess if they can, I would be fine with that, but I kind of would expect. Oh Yeah, you pointed out Erod's going to be back. Chris Hale will be back at some point. Evaldi, I, mean, I don't know if he can get through a season healthy, but presumably we'll start the season healthy, and so Perez will only have to be at best, the fourth best starter on the staff. Yeah. Um, and what he's doing now looks a lot better from the 4 or 5 hole in the rotation Um, and if you know that you have uh, that kind of reliability from somebody already on your roster um, I don't know if I'd necessarily look to move it but if someone comes along and like you said offers something that has a more sustainable skill set I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved but I I think I'm going to expect him to be back and be a 4th or 5th starter for this team next year
0: yeah, I kind of feel the same way, too. And it seems like he has really embraced being on the Boston Red Sox. He's a good Twitter follow, too, if you haven't done that. He's always posting uh, after starts that he makes and stuff like that. So he's been one of the bright spots for for the pitching staff. And his cutter really is an enjoyable pitch to watch. Um, and, and to go along with what Keaton said, I mean, five of the top ten starts this year by Red Sox pitching have been Uh, made by Martín Pérez, which is not surprising. The list is mostly Martín Pérez and healthy Nadia Valdes starts. But, um, (laughs) you know, we'll take what we can get in a year like this. Seriously. Um, The really interesting piece, though, and sort of burying the lead here behind starting pitching talk, is Jairo Munoz has uh, taken a full-time role here with the team over the past week. Um, he is currently banged up. Uh, he hurt his hip last time he was out, so he hasn't been placed on the IL yet. Um, he may still be placed on the IL. Red Sox didn't play today, so I guess they didn't have to make any moves. So we'll monitor that, but he was getting starts in both right field and left field. And he had 10 hits in his first 21 plate appearances, which is just bananas. Um, did you get a chance to watch any of him or... You know, see any highlights from yero Munoz, uh, and, and, and what's your reaction to him?
1: Yeah, I mean, he popped up on my radar when he made his debut in 2018. Um, I added him in a couple of places just for fantasy purposes, um, so I was kind of aware of what he was doing, and he was pretty darn good. Um, 276, 350, 413 slash line, and 107 WRC+. plus. It was 108 games and he had eight homers and five steals. I mean, he doesn't have much pop, but over the course of a full season, he's probably double digit homers, double digit steals, which is really nice to have on your bench or really kind of anywhere in your roster. Uh, I don't know if he's, you know, a major league regular, um, but kind of taking that utility role and getting, you know, two thirds of uh, 500 at bats across the season in however many games he ends up kind of appearing uh, is. Definitely some depth that the Red Sox haven't had in the bats in quite some time. Um, of course, he had that interesting departure from the Cardinals where he was upset about his playing time and just left. So I'm not sure if he's kind of expecting to have a starting role with this team. I'm not sure that he would next year. Um, but to have a guy with his skill set on the on the roster, I think would be a great thing for this team.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you, Keaton. And he's a really interesting player because I am going to make a comparison to Brock Holt here in just the fact that he has the versatility of a Brock Holt. This year for the Red Sox, he's played in left field. He's played in right field. He's DH'd. But while he was with the Cardinals, he also played second base, shortstop, third base, in all three of the outfield positions. So he's played every position on the diamond other than first base and catcher, which should remind you of Brock Holt. Um, and also, when you look at how they've actually played and, and how they've hit, Yairo Munoz over his time in the major leagues has hit 282, 337, 407. Um, Brock Holt, during his time with the Red Sox, batted .270, 340, uh 374. and they strike out at very similar rates. They walk at very similar rates. Um, Munoz probably has a touch more power, um, but it's really interesting that he is so versatile. He's only 25 years old. And when he was a prospect, uh, he had some pretty interesting grades on him. So Fangraphs ranked him the sixth prospect, sixth best prospect in the Cardinals system in 2018. They put a future 55 on his hit tool, um, 55 on his raw power, 70 on his arm, which is really impressive, and 55 on his speed. That's a very good player. And the Red Sox were able to get this guy for basically nothing. And they can potentially control him through 2024 because his first arbitration year isn't till next year. So all of a sudden, this looks like a really interesting player for the Red Sox moving forward. And one that I'd be, frankly, pretty excited to have is my utility guy.
1: Yeah, I would too, for sure. Yeah, that skill set is pretty hard to find. And um, I like the comparison to Brock Holt, um, with the exception of Munoz has a lot more speed. Uh, and can really do a number of damage or quite a bit of damage on the base path, which is not something that the Red Sox really had off the bench um, until like this year with Pilar, um, who was obviously not destined to remain here all that long. Um, But Munoz could be quite an interesting piece going forward.
0: Yeah, he really could. And, you know, we want to also say like before people freak out, we're not saying he's going to be the type of icon that Brock Holt was or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. We're talking about purely from a baseball standpoint. Um, I do think the bodies are a little bit different. Yara Munoz, a little bit of a stockier guy, um, probably not as smooth of motions in, in the field, especially in the infield, as Brock Holt, but he's he's a little bit thicker. There's a lot more power projection there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brock Holt did amazing things for the community around here and for for the team, um, and you've already mentioned the character stuff, so that's going to be something that we're going to monitor for sure. Um, I hope that the hip thing for him doesn't linger this year, because I'd really like to see him continue to get some reps here down the stretch, but um, one of the things that I'm encouraged by with this whole thing is that the Red Sox are kind of taking the pathway that we wanted them to take in regards to Jose Peraza. Um, over the past week he's played uh second base three times um and he's subbed in in left field late in the game he's terrible in left field so i hope he doesn't play there anymore um but he really has you know not been getting the starts which is ideal because we've seen enough from Peraza and you know apparently they prefer the body here down the stretch over just DFAing him but it's nice to see that he's clearly not factoring into their plans for the future
1: yeah, I mean, we talked last time that we kind of expected the DFA if, um, or I guess when Benintendi came back. But now it doesn't look like he's coming back this year. So I imagine he'll probably just stay on the roster just to be there because they, they don't feel like they have anybody else. But yeah, I don't think he's long for this team here um, after this season.
0: Yeah. Well, we wish we wish Peraza
1: well, but um, no big <laughs> loss there, for sure. Yep. Also interesting to note, um, in the six games with the Red Sox, Munoz put up his uh, a career best war.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, his previous best was .1 in that uh, 2018 season, and just in the six games, he'd put up .4. Wow.
0: Well, I guess... With a 234 WRC plus over that stretch. Uh, <laughs> that helps. It <laughs> helps a little bit. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And you know what, too? I like his face. I like, uh, <laughs> he's always mean mugging, and I don't know whether he intends to, but like he's got a pretty intimidating face out there. <laughs> All right. Well, anyhow, uh, moving on to another player who has been really impressive over the course of this season. That's Kevin Ploiecki, Um, who I thought, you know, we we knew he was a good receiver. Um, we knew he was going to be a very competent backup catcher. But what we didn't really expect from him was him to impress us with the bat. And I remember specifically, I mean, Keaton and I have been doing fantasy baseball forever, and we do fantasy baseball podcasts together at the Dynasty Guru. But it I remember distinctly when he came up as a prospect with the Mets that there was a lot of potential hope here that he could be an offense first catcher. And when he first came up, he actually did look like he was going to fulfill some of that promise. And now all of a sudden, Kevin Plowiecki, this year, 29 years old with the Red Sox, has a 145 WRC, batting 354, 404, 500 on the year. Um, you know, doesn't walk at all, but doesn't strike out either. He's been incredibly impressive to me. What have you seen with him this year, Um, and and do you expect him to stick with the team next year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely do. He has one more year of arbitration left, and uh, I don't imagine Connor Wong is ready to step into a backup role immediately. Um, So I would definitely expect him back. Uh, It's probably lucky for the Red Sox. They still have a year of control left. On him because, I actually have
0: two now, um, because he's one of those rare four-year arbitration guys.
1: Oh, well there you go. Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, so it's lucky that that's that's in play because uh, even though you know it's a smaller sample in a weird season, but he probably would have been playing himself into a starting role somewhere else, just given the catching landscape. Um, so I think to have him backing up Vasquez, who we think is probably one of like the top five best catchers in the league right now. Uh, And then to have his backup be someone who can step in and, you know, have an OBP over 400 or close to it. um, That is an awesome tandem that we don't really have to worry about that position offensively for a couple years, which is nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, I don't know how much of this is sustainable, but it's not been that small of a sample size now. I mean, it's been 52 plate appearances, but the exit velocity for him this year has gone from being in the mid-80s. It was 85.6 last year. The year before, it was like 86. The year before, it was 87. It's been right in that range. This year, his average exit velocity is 90 miles an hour. It's a pretty substantial jump, and his hard hit rate went all the way up to 35%. So I don't know if he can continue to do this but he certainly has looked more comfortable and has continued to to do this like throughout the season you know it's not just one off like he got into a bradley junior like hot streak he's been consistently when he gets playing time developing uh himself to be a good player in key offensive situations and you know even hitting some big
1: dingers it's pretty cool yeah and it's interesting to note that in previous seasons with the Mets, um, he had consistently put up walk rates um, over 10% in double digits. This year it's at a career low 4%. So if he's able to, to kind of reel some of that back in along with the strides that he's making his quality of contact, Um could be a force to plate.
0: Yeah, really could be. Um, yeah, we're going to have to monitor that. I haven't done a deep dive into what he's doing from a swing perspective um, in terms of whether or not he's swinging more or less than usual. It actually looks like he's swinging 44.6% of the time, which his career rate is 46% or his average rate is 46%. So he's actually swinging a little bit less, um, but still making more hard contact. So yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be something we need to monitor. You can get that walk rate up. He becomes really exciting. Um, sticking with catchers, though, the Red Sox claim to catcher, and I'll probably butcher his name, um, Davy Grillon or Grillon, off of waivers from the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, you know, this is a guy I hadn't actually heard about because he's not like a big prospect, but he did actually make the mentions of um, the top Phillies prospects uh, at Fangraphs last year. Um, he was mentioned as one of the bat-first um, type of, uh, I guess, catchers in the system for Philly. He's had some good offensive numbers, um, but getting a guy like this for free in an organization, the Red Sox, that's hurting for catching depth, seems like a pretty good, good situation.
1: Yeah, low risk, high reward. Uh, his last two seasons in the minors, Double A in twenty eighteen, he hit two seventy three, and then got even better. 2019 at AAA hitting two eighty three. so um, he really kind of did his the the most of his damage in the upper minors, uh, and hit 21 home runs both of those seasons. So, uh, an interesting bat first choice that kind of gives them some depth. That definitely is just I mean there was no risk to it, but uh, you know they could might have might have found someone to to be a pretty decent backup catcher.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and the fact that he's not a good framer right now. That seems like something that the Red Sox can continue to work with while he's developing um, at Triple A, or or if they decide to start him at Double A, I don't imagine they would. I, I think he's probably going to go to Triple A, but who knows? But you know the the ability for him to uh, continue to develop that skill. I mean, offense is kind of the hardest thing to find at catcher, so um, I think it's encouraging for sure. Um, all right, moving on, Jackie Bradley Jr um has been super hot over the last week and i'm loving this and i actually you know he's kind of a zero player in fantasy baseball because these hot streaks you don't know when they're going to come you don't know how long they're going to last and then most of the time he's just abominable to own but like I ran out to my waiver wire in a bunch of leagues and picked up Jackie Bradley Jr. when I saw he was getting on this heater. And right now, uh, since September 1st, he's batted 292, 414, sixty seven with a 177 WRC plus in three home runs. Um, how nice would it be if Jackie continues to hit like this down the stretch for the Red Sox and sort of this is the way that we can remember you know, him going out with the bat?
1: It'd be great. I mean, he started the season on a hot streak and then got hurt and was kind of playing through an injury. And, um, I think it was Remy noted on the broadcast, like a little over a week ago that he looked like he was back to full health. And then kind of, that was put on display. The majority of his home runs so far this season have been to the opposite field, which is not something Jackie Bradley has really done consistently at any point in his career, but he's doing it consistently this year when healthy. Um, so whatever the, the changes were that he made to his approach seemed to be effective. Uh, and, you know, it would be interesting to see, you know, we had a question uh, last week if we believed on uh, Bloom when he said that he wanted Jackie Bradley on his team long term. Uh, we both figured, yeah, why why wouldn't we believe him? Uh, but it turns out that apparently they have not talked to Jackie Bradley Jr. about that. <laughs> they just said it publicly. Um, So, I mean, do you think Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be back with this team next year?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, We did get that question this week uh, from one of our listeners. Jacob Cordero said, how much the Red Sox pay Jackie Bradley Jr. if they do indeed sign him? So, so first of all, I do think that they would be interested in bringing him back or it would make sense for them to be interested in bringing him back on a one-year deal if they believe that Duran is the guy for the future um, in center field. They might believe that Duran is destined for a corner, and in that case might want to bring JBJ back for like a two- or three-year deal. I don't see him getting more than two years, and I also think that if they do sign him, it's going to be for a Polar-type money deal. Um, Polar was making a, a little over $4 million. Um, For the full season. So I could see something like two and eight. And maybe with the second year being a team option um, for JBJ. But I really, I get the sense from the things that I read about JBJ. That JBJ wants to test the waters in a different park. I think he would really like to see how good his defense could be. In a park that has more real estate in center field for him to kind of patrol.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I haven't read too many of his, much of his comments, just the one where he uh, was asked about being here long-term and was like, I haven't, I haven't talked to me about that at all. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I can really gauge from that what I think. Um, but given the rate that people are leaving this team, I guess, I think I'd still lean towards he's probably not coming back. But, see, that's the that's the thing. His defense is really good, and he rides these streaks that someone will probably give him a chance to be a starter. But I don't think that the Red Sox would. Or, like you said, it would just be to transition to Duran at some point. I feel like someone will probably offer him, like, a four-year, $20 million deal to be a starter somewhere. Like, mm. Texas or something, and he'd rather do that.
0: Yeah, I could see it. Um, He was – I think it was an Alex Spear story um, where I was talking about the defense stuff and he was kind of talking about how the odd dimensions of left field at Fenway make uh, center field in Boston play down a little bit versus other parks. And, you know, you mentioned Texas, which is – in the short time that we've seen how that park plays um, because it's a new park – um, has definitely played like a Pitchers Park. San Francisco, I mean, you could imagine him playing outfield in San Francisco. Um, I know that Jackie's not really known for having like electric speed. He's more of a guy who's incredible at reading the ball and just such a cerebral guy out there. He knows exactly where the ball is going to go. I've never seen anybody take better lines to balls than he does. Um, but I do think he's like, underrated with his athleticism sometimes. You know, we've seen the things that he can do with his arm. I think his speed is maybe not like the best in the the league, but it's damn good. Um selfishly I want to see him play in a different park. I want to see like what is full all the chains off, like just you know, don't have to play in the dimensions of, of Fenway anymore. Just let the man like do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it would definitely be really fun to see. And for the Red Sox, it probably makes sense to let him go. Well, I mean, it probably makes sense to trade him. But we talked about why that probably didn't happen. So, I mean, it makes sense for them to to really only look at him for for a short term. And that's probably not exactly what he's looking for. So it just doesn't seem like they might mesh with their priorities. So he'll end up somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Hey, um, I will always remember Jackie Bradley Jr. for his defense. For his hot streaks, I was at the game where his like 33 game, I think it was, hit streak ended, um, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but also my wife got me a Jackie Bradley Jr. cameo for my birthday, and it was amazing. So That's great. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's he's definitely one of my favorite players and somebody who I will definitely miss um if he does go. Um all right, Bobby Dahlbeck. It's time we talked about this monster of a human being. Um, Since he's really been up here getting regular playing time since the trade deadline passed, Bobby Dahlbeck has 20 plate appearances, 2 home runs, 3 runs, 2 RBIs, a 10% walk rate, oh boy, a 40% strikeout rate, and uh, he's batting 167. What are your impressions of Mr. Dahlbeck?
1: I feel like he's been as advertised, right? We were advertised home runs and strikeouts, and that's what we're getting.
0: Yep. He's a true, true outcome guy (laughs) to guy.
1: (laughs) Um, I mean, his home runs have been fun. Uh, It's gone the other way a couple times on them, which is a good thing to see. Um, I was surprised to see that he was hitting under 200. I thought that he had kind of sprinkled more in there. But he essentially is just hitting homers. which is really fun to see. He's got five hits and three of them are homers.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's not too many guys. So overall his his whole line, I just quoted since September 1st, but he's batting one ninety two. but that comes with a 99 WRC plus where a hundred is sort of the average mark. So to have a 99 with, a 192 means you're doing ridiculous damage when you do make contact with the ball and his isolated power mark is 346. Uh, (laughs) So uh, just, just to put that in perspective, like that's up there with among the best sluggers in all of baseball. So the, the 70 raw uh, is certainly making itself known here in the very early going. Um, We did get a listener question about Dobby, Bobby Dahlbeck that I thought was really interesting from Dan Strand. And he said, is Bobby Dahlbeck the building block for the future? And I think I'm going to tweak this. Not that he's the building block for the future, but Keaton, do you see him as part of the next good Red Sox team as a starter?
1: Yeah, I think I do. I mean, the strikeouts are really concerning, but it's also only been like five games for him, seven games. So, I mean, we need to give him a chance to adjust to major league pitching. His strikeouts in the minors haven't been all that bad. Um, he's had a couple of years of some over thirty, but for the most part, it's like mid to low twenties, which is about where the you know the the really good sluggers of the <clears throat> baseball nowadays have their strikeout rates. His walk rates have throughout the minors have been great and well over double digits. So I think um, it's it's hard to make a rash. Uh, you know, like snap judgment now af- after seven games. But i like to see him have a chance to actually adjust to major league pitching more and kind of maybe after the next three weeks, take another look at it. But um, I think we're expecting him to be right.
0: Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, I, I have more faith, whether this is fair or not, in him developing a little bit more um, – Contact ability than Michael Chavis. Uh, I, I just I think his swing works a little bit more. I think his problems are a little bit more uh, easily corrected with his tendency to swing towards pitches that are outside of the zone. I think that's something he can work to court curtail. Um, I don't know that he will find success with that. I, I'm honestly going to say that there's a 40% chance that he's a starter on the next good Red Sox team. I don't think it's 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 definitely not more likely than that for me. It's kind of weird. Yeah,
1: that probably seems right.
0: I would like it to be a hundred because his power is super fun, but yeah, I just don't know if it that's realistic with his skill set. And they they seem to be collecting these guys. I mean, Hudson Potts is another one that's right in this Chavis Dahlbeck skill set. So um, at some point, one of these guys has to work, right? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Can't go 0 for 3. That would be very in line with uh, their nights at the Plate. Um, All right. Let's talk about some other guys who are starting to do pretty well. Uh, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, and Alex Verdugo have all been really good since the calendar flipped to September. Um, In particular, J.D. Martinez uh, has been – playing some of the best baseball that we've seen of him the entire year um in September so far over 5 games 21 plate appearances he's batting 333 with a home run 3 RBIs a couple walks uh starting to look definitely a lot more like himself and we've seen uh you know the other guys Devers and and Verdugo Devers has been really turning it on for a while now he's got a 137 WRC plus over six games in that period of time and Verdugo has just done it all season long so is it encouraging to you to see especially JD Martinez look like he's flipped because I think that he's the one that's looked the most out of sorts this year
1: yeah I agree 100% and for it'd be nice to see him carry that through to the end of the year Um, you know it's not just him there's reliable hitters around the league this year that have been really struggling uh, and probably what is just due to being, you know, like a weird year. Um, but Martinez uh, actually offered a glimpse into the future uh, and talked about what he kind of expects in the offseason. And it seems like he's leaning towards opting in because, as we talked about in the beginning of this, because it's a it's a down season and we're not really sure what the free agent market's going to look like, we kind of expected him to opt in. Um, so, that, you know, he would be getting his money uh and two reasons for him to opt in would be the uncertainty in the free agent market and then his struggles this year so if he it makes way more sense for him to opt in have a good year next year and then opt out if that's his plan uh hopefully he doesn't hopefully he's just really good for the red Sox for the duration of uh what his his contract length was um but he's been really bad to start the season, so for him to have a really good last month, I feel a lot better about him opting in and getting another full season out of him uh on this team, and what is hopefully a bounce back season next year,
0: yeah, I totally agree um I don't see him going anywhere those comments like you said, really solidify that, so yeah, a strong last month here would be a huge statement and make me feel a whole lot better about this lineup going into next season, yeah, absolutely. Um, Rafael Devers, though first half of the year, um, he was terrible. Um, Seventy six WRC plus batted two twenty two, looked like junk. Um, was not, you know, he was not swinging at the right pitches. He was really expanding his zone. He looked terrible. Second half of the season so far, over twelve games. Three nineteen, three eighty five, six seventeen with a one sixty three WRC plus. Rafi Devers is fully back, man. He
1: looks scary as hell at the plate
0: right now. Yeah, he
1: sure does. And that's just great to see. Um we were kinda waiting for it to happen, hoping it was gonna happen a bit sooner. Um, but you know, as we talked about he just may be one of those guys that just needs a month of at bats to start feeling like himself. And as we saw last year and as we've seen now through the last like two weeks. When he's feeling like himself, he uh it's pretty unstoppable.
0: Yeah, totally. Um he reminds me a little of David Ortiz in terms of the having a terrible first month of the year. I mean, how many times by the time the calendar flipped to like mid May were we hearing David Ortiz is finally over the hill and you know, he would just continue to hit 30 to 40 bombs and bat 300 every year and just get ridiculously hot for like the last four months of the season and carry it through October. feels like Rafael Devers is just doing the same stuff.
1: Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't have the same foot issues that Ortiz had. He was a little young for that, but
0: yeah, definitely not. Maybe he can win (laughs) us three world series though, too. That'd be cool. (laughs) That'd be great. (laughs) He's got one already, right? Yeah, yeah, one down. There you go. Um, all right. Last guy I want to talk about real quick. I don't want to end on bad note, but we kind of have to talk about this man. <laughs> uh, Michael Chavis. This is our weekly check-in with Michael Chavis. Uh, two home runs on the year, 234 batting average on the year, 66 WRC-plus on the year, and over the last week it has not been too much better. Um 280 321 320 71 wrc plus not a lot of power still a high strikeout rate making a little bit more contact is there anything we can cling to here
1: um he's fun
0: like as a personality or yeah <laughs> okay, <laughs> yep, I agree with you. I'm, I'm there because his at-bats are not fun right now.
1: It's a small sample, but 280 is a lot better than 230. Yes. So, like, to see that, keep that contact going.
0: And 28% strikeout rate is a lot lower than 38%, which is what it is on the year. And I think, like, yeah. if he could maintain a 28% strikeout rate, all of a sudden Michael Chavis becomes an interesting player.
1: Yeah, he does. Absolutely. I think this is probably the most important three weeks of his career because, I mean, coming into the season as a full season, it was pretty much the make or break for him, Uh, even though, you know, he just made his his debut the year before. But they got guys coming up to play everywhere he can play. So he's running out of a chance to to make a name for himself. So these last three weeks are pretty important for him.
0: That is an incredible point, Keaton. I didn't think about that, but... That is well said. You're absolutely right. There's probably nobody on this team who needs to play better over these next three weeks than Michael Javis.
1: Yep. Wow. Dahlbeck's already there. Jeter Downs is on his way. Uh, Munoz can also play every position that he plays, too. So, I mean, now is really the, the, the time for him to make a name for himself and show that he belongs on this Boston team here.
0: Wow. That puts a lot of emphasis on these last 18 games. Sure does. Well then, um, Michael Chavis, no pressure, buddy. Um all right, let's move on to listener questions here. Mike Teague has our first listener question. He says, Have we heard anything about Chris Sales recovery? Have you heard anything new?
1: Uh the last thing I saw was a couple of weeks ago where he was feeling confident in his uh rehab process and how things were progressing. Um the Herald reported a couple of weeks ago, too, that he's not expected to be ready for opening day, which I think we were all kind of expecting, given the timing of when he had um, the surgery. Like, 12 months would be mid-April, or en- mid-slash-end of April. And the 12-month mark is when they, he can start throwing again. So we're probably looking at another month from there from him to be in, the, well, maybe even more than that, for an extended spring training to make sure he feels like himself and then stretch him out after that. So we're probably looking at, like, June as a probable return date for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I haven't seen anything newer than that either, Keaton. The only uh, report that I found when I was doing some Googling before this was the August 13th uh, report about his real makeshift kind of uh, workout facility down in Fort Myers because they won't let him into the actual facility due to COVID regulations. So he's like showering with a hose and working out like behind a batting cage and doing all sorts of stuff, which, you know, I bet Chris Sale secretly loves because I think (laughs) he's somebody who loves suffering.
1: Yeah, that is, I wouldn't expect anything different. (laughs)
0: if he had the option of like the full nice facility or behind the cage with the hose he's probably picking behind the cage with the hose yeah
1: build character
0: (laughs) there you go oh man i missed that guy um johnny has the next question trolling me um this is a cross i think this is like a pod cross pod troll here um should the red sox trade for kyle tucker
1: didn't we get that last week too? I don't
0: know. I can't remember. I don't remember that far back. Um, did we get that, or was that Garrett Hampson? I think it was Garrett Hampson.
1: Yeah, it was. It was Dynasty's child. Someone wanted you to uh, apologize to Scott Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting it from all angles, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. These these two players, I have thrown some some cold water on. Um, But yeah, I mean, Kyle Tucker is having a good last month for sure. Big month. Um, I'm not ready to change my valuations on players after one month, but, you know, we'll see. I could be very wrong on Kyle Tucker, but I'll never forget him being compared to Ted Williams when he got drafted. And forever, I will hate him because of that. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Ben Jacobson with our next question. Is Yairo Munoz actually Babe Ruth?
1: Might be. Not I mean, quite as much power, but yeah, it might be.
0: Yeah, he definitely has the mean mug. Uh, so I like that. <laughs> um, I can't wait
1: to see him go up to plate eating a hot dog.
0: <laughs> he's not quite as big as Babe Ruth. But he looks like he has potential to add some beef. He's n- he's not a small dude. No. I like it. I'm glad you're into Munoz, Ben Jacobson. You've been looking for a reason to watch this team. There it is. Um, Paxton Jodesy, uh says, The year is 2036. The current Red Sox team have all retired. Which current player do you hire to landscape your garden bushes into iconic moments from the past? Wow. This is a loaded one. Do, do I think any of them? I mean, obviously, if they're a landscaper... That would be, like, a real passion project for them, right? Because I, I think all these guys are substantially more wealthy than I'll ever be.
1: Yeah, but I think Devers would have a lot of fun with it. And just hacking up bushes into, like, that game-tying home run he hit off Chapman.
0: Mm. Oh, so he would choose the uh, the art form. So he he would really be, like, a traveling artist. Yeah, pretty much. I could see it. Okay, okay. Um, well, so my mind goes to, to Chris Sale actually, because we know how uh, exacting he can be with scissors from his time with the Chicago White Sox cutting up jerseys. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and also he's incredibly tall, so he can reach the tops of all of the bushes, uh, without having a ladder. So I have to say it's probably Chris Sale.
1: Yeah, that's the answer right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, next one, Evan O'Donnell says, why does Matt Hall exist?
1: I don't know, man. I've seen enough. I'm (laughs) convinced. Like, I don't think he's given up less than four runs in a single outing this year. I'm good.
0: I, I don't actually think Matt Hall exists. I think Matt Hall is the name of a batting cage manufacturer. Um, and he is just, (laughs) he's actually a cybernetic organism. That is designed to throw hittable pitches.
1: He's like the pitching machine that like can't even throw breaking balls. It's just a robotic arm tossing cheese right over the plate.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the meatball man. That's, that's what Matt Hall is. He's the meatball man. Basically. The big man with our last question. Which current Red Sox player would you dance the tango with?
1: Xander Bogarts, to me, seems like he knows like every type of dancing out there, and he'd be a great dance partner.
0: 100%. You nailed it. There's no one else I'd dance tango with but Xander Bogarts. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, that has been our show. We do hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we hope we gave you some things to look forward to for 2021 um, and down the stretch here. And as Keaton, you know, smartly pointed out, watch Michael Chavis' last 18 games, man. You're going to know a lot about this player and his future. Um, Keaton, you working on anything fun this week that you need the people to know about?
1: Uh, We're doing an interesting roundtable at TDG. Um... In a couple different chats and things, um, people have mentioned the second base tandem of Craig Biggio and Kesten uh, Hira for fantasy purposes. Uh, and Hira was like, I believe, it's either number one or number two. Some people had him in number one in our consensus rankings coming into the season way back in April. Um, Biggio obviously has been on fire uh, and rising up the ranks. Uh, so we're going to have a fun little debate about. Who would you rather have on your fantasy team or your dynasty team? Me over the next three to five years. Yeah. So that'll be a fun one.
0: Definitely taking Biggio there. He's a guy I've done a 180 on, so I'll be looking forward to reading that. Um, for me, I, I have a bunch of things coming out. Um, I'm probably going to do something on Over the Monster this week, TBD. Um, and I have my top 100 starting pitcher rankings at Fantrax HQ. And my top 100 starting pitcher dynasty rankings at Fantrax HQ both coming out this week. So, kind of a big week for starting pitcher stuff for me.
1: Yeah. Love it.
0: All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please go on, rate, review us, subscribe to us, and follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at The Spoken Keats. You can follow me at Dev Jake. You can follow the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. And you can follow Matt and Shelly can follow matt at matt ry collins and shelly at shellyv v 643 is that correct yes all right wow i memorized everybody's twitter handle all <laughs> right we will see you later